my gosh. Can you tell me the quote that your dad oh! sent you? Okay. So my dad, we get, we still get like an actual newspaper because, you know, some people just are the way that they are. So shout out to Newsday. Um, it is the Long Island paper. And my dad was very excited to tell me that Formula One was in the <laughs> Newsday of Sunday, October 8th. Look at how big. Okay, so if you're in the audio, first off, you're missing out on a whole lot of fun. Second, literally, I don't think this news article is bigger than the palm of my hand. It is not. It oh, is no, two sentences. Um, so, as I will oh, wait, read wait. to you. And I, what Nicole is also not including audio listeners is that her dad very clearly, like, cut out a piece of the local newspaper for her. Like, it's not that, like, here's the whole newspaper or here's the page it's on. It's like just the little snippet about F1 has been cut out and given to her. It's so cute. Disclaimer, he would, he used to mail me stuff like this in Miami. I did rip this out with Aww. him. I know, I did rip this out, but he would do this. But he did yes. bring the paper to me folded and was like, this! I'm shocked it's not highlighted, to be very fair. Like, it was meticulous. And I'm shocked he didn't cut it I'm out because he, he used on it. to... Yeah. He, I have many of, of a newspaper cutout, but it is very Papa Cats to cut <laughs> out the newspaper and give it to me. Um, it's usually left on my pillow, so this, but it's the Sunday paper, so I was home. I know, it's so adorable. I really, and I, I love, my dad will always give me the newspaper of things that I like and I enjoy. And F1 is on, in the Long Island News. Except if you were to read this little blurb about the f1 season to a person who has never watched f1 they would have a very different picture of what the f1 season or just like kind of what it's painted like because when i read it i cackled out loud uh so it does say verstappen f1 champion Max Verstappen secured the Formula One title for the third straight year in a season of near total domination for the Red Bull driver. Verstappen finished second in the sprint race in Qatar, and Sergio Perez, the only driver who could catch him in the standings, crashed out. You know what? I think that is a perfect description of what has happened all season, except that Max finished second instead of first. Like, <laughs> as I'm reading this, I'm like, all right, general, general, general. And then it's like, ah, all right, Sergio Perez, the only driver who could catch him in the standings, crashed Mathematically. Out. <laughs> no. And I'm like, But not okay. reality. <laughs> crashed out of the season, gave up on trying, is trying too hard. Oh, my God. <laughs> all of it kind of true. Um, So they're not wrong. <laughs> No, what? it is an accurate statement, but you're right, it's kind of misleading. <laughs> I cackled so hard at this, so I really hope either whoever wrote this is, like, a diehard F1 fan and this was just a great joke, or right. whoever wrote this really has no idea and, like, I guess we gotta talk about the F1 thing that happened yesterday. This was in the Sunday paper, the big paper. Here it is. <laughs> The local Long Island paper. Local Long Island. Auto racing. This is auto rate. There it is. Formula One is a traveling circus, but the Qatar GP felt like it was that on steroids. There is so much to discuss this week. My brain, like, we thought last week was a packed episode. This week is an insanely packed episode. We discussed what should be done to better protect driver safety after a race that sent almost half the grid to seek medical help after it was over. Oscar Piastri continues to have a breakout season, so we celebrate that bright spot in the middle of what was a chaotic race weekend that stressed me out. Then we go back to the circus tent to discuss why Pirelli had to put lap limits on all its tires this weekend, and spoiler alert, it had nothing to do with Pirelli, so stop giving them It's I'm weirdly protective over Pirelli. Don't ask me why. It's a weekly discussion at this point, but was this the end of Paris at Red Bull? Did, did we see it this weekend? I don't know, we'll discuss. F1 teams and personnel gave us their first thoughts about Andretti after the FIA's public pressure of an announcement. We discuss when or if F1 will accept them into the Concord Agreement. And of course, 
because this race weekend needed to have everything, we got the headache of track limits for the first time since the Austrian, Austrian GP. Not Australian, Austrian. Should this even be monitored? And if so, how can it be improved so we all don't have the headache of it every week? Lastly, as always, we end the show with Yellow Sector Notes, one story you should know from every team on the grid. That wraps up the formation lap for episode 38 of Gridwalk, a weekly Formula One podcast that believes there are fascinating stories to discuss across the entire F1 grid, hence the Yellow Sector Notes at the end, you know? In case you haven't listened to the end and haven't put that together, you know. You should. Okay. Exciting. You Even hops. Yeah, the end is really fun and will always be the most chaotic. Uh, but on that note, please don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Also, leave us a comment. Let us know what was, let us know what was the craziest part of the race weekend in your opinion. So there's a lot to pick from this week. If you're listening on any audio platform, please hit the follow button, turn on auto downloads, and leave us a review. All these things greatly help support the show. Cool down our lineup on the grid. It's lights out, and away we go. This week's grid walk. My first podium of the race weekend is time for us to celebrate Oscar Piastri as the bright shining light of this crappy race weekend, admittedly. But Oscar had a great weekend, so we need to start the show with celebrating him before we just complain about everything else, essentially. Yeah, Yeah, he deserves it. He deserves the actual celebration and positivity that this race had. Kind of all all, the only bit of it. So, before I get into the podium, uh, this is my favorite Oscar moments of the weekend. Now, of course, him getting pole for the sprint shootout was exciting, even though it's technically not a pole. Of course, him winning the sprint was the highlight of the weekend. But everyone knows that. So putting that P1 on the podium felt less fun. So these are three of my favorite, like, chaoticness things that happened with Oscar this weekend. And so those two obvious, like, on-track things aside, like, I wouldn't describe any of the things on my podium here as on-track. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. I'm just so excited like about all the moment. Oscar things. So yeah. it just was, we're, we're getting ready early. <sighs> all right. P3, in my favorite Oscar moments of the weekend, was him posting his own office meme. So Oscar had his P3 in normal qualifying revoked because of track limits, so he lost the lap time. He became P6, but McLaren didn't unpost their P3 graphic, and Oscar replied on Twitter and posted him... The, the like, office meme where he turns to the camera and it zooms in on his face. If on YouTube, I will put it on the screen. Beneath the photo, because everyone's like, McLaren, you should take this down. And even Oscar was like, I think you should take this down. Incredible. Oscar's internet presence was on another level this weekend. Speaking of, my P2. P1, P2, P6. So similarly, Oscar was in the photo for the top three in Quali this week because they couldn't find Lewis, so Oscar just stuck around. And then he posted the photo with the caption, P1, P2, P6, and then the shrug emoji. And I was on the floor. Way to lean into it. He really did. Part-time comedian, part-time F1 driver. If you asked me at the beginning of the season... If by this point, Oscar would have come out of his shell to this degree, I wouldn't have expected this at all, but I love every minute of it. His chaotic presence in like this quiet, understated way. This is not on my podium, but honorable mention aside here, Oscar's reaction to winning the sprint race that was so monotone deserves recognition for my favorite Oscar moments of the weekend. He uses phrases like, golly gee, oh gosh, oh, like... And not in a way, and not in, like, the George Russell way of, like, language. It's, there's something different about it that just feels so innocent and just, like, oh, matter of fact, like, oh, yeah, I guess that's how this is. Right. You won the sprint. You run your. You won your first race in F1. Cool. Thanks, guys, for all the hard work. That was fun. Liked that. Woo. You know, like. Oh, wow. That's. 
that that that's so great. I, that, I'm so happy to hear that the Tylenol went down. I love it. I think at some point he goes, I think I like the P1 board. Like, yes, <laughs> I think so too, Oscar. It's so great. Uh, but that not that is not actually on my podium because there were too many good Oscar moments this weekend. My P1 is after he got pole in the sprint shootout and he says, I think I'm going to give the FIA five minutes to confirm. It can't be easy to be interviewed and told in the interview that your P3 is removed, but then to like turn it into such a great quote and like retort the next day. And also, I think we should all just give the FIA a breather all the time. It was pointed, it was spot on, it was funny. 10 out of 10, Oscar. Best moment of the Oscar Piastri weekend, not including actually winning the sprint. It's banter of leaning into the like, well, I guess, you know, hopefully we'll have another redo of this inter redo of this interview. Him leaning into all of that, A+, plus. never seen anything like it. Drivers take notes. There were a lot of moments that made the Qatar GP like quite a unique weekend. I guess good and bad, depending on how you want to look at it. Definitely on the bad side. This unbelievable aftermath that we're kind of seeing, or not kind of, that we're definitely seeing and vocalizing and immediately saw from all the drivers, like, health-wise and comments afterwards of during the race and how excruciatingly difficult it was and the being sick mid-race, almost fainting mid-race. I mean, there's an unbelievable list of things that drivers said were occurring or happened after the race. And it brings up the wonderful question of the regulation and making sure that race conditions are optimized for safety for drivers. And maybe that needs to be considered when determining, you know, certain race stints or just overall racing conditions, like for certain tracks needs to be just maybe considered and monitored better. Um, because I don't think... Having drivers blacking out in corners while going hundreds of miles per hour is a great idea. Understatement. <laughs> Understatement of the century. Yeah, I have a list here of everything that we know about post this race. Most drivers couldn't even stand up and get out of the car, including what we saw with Alex Albon, who needed assistance to physically get out of his car. And by the way, if you don't know, the FIA have these safety rules in place where all the drivers need to be able to get out of their car within five seconds. Um, so that's why like, there's mechanisms to unseatbelt yourself. And so basically, Alex Albon was so sick that if his car got in an accident or lit on fire, he wouldn't have been able to get himself out of the car. Just when we're talking about like what this all means, Sargent actually had to retire mid-race because he was so unwell. Esteban Ocon threw up inside his helmet at lap 15. We are talking about drivers who are conditioned to do this consistently at a heightened thing. And Ocon was so sick and felt so awful that by lap 15 he was puking. Stroll was blacking out in all the high-speed corners, which, by the way, of the 16 corners is about 10 of them. For the last 20 to 25 laps of the race, he said, and immediately went to an ambulance to get carted to the hospital post-race. Russell said he kept feeling like he was about to faint, so similar to Stroll. Um, Alonso felt so awful that he actually asked them to chuck a bucket of water on him during the pit stop. And this is Alonso, who's Mr. I super macho strong man. I don't need anything. And he, if that's him saying he really, really doesn't feel good. His seat was on fire. Yeah. Like actually, this is, not actually, yeah. but it says what he says. And this is just what we know about. Lance, not Lance, Lando in a post-race interview said that more than half the drivers went and saw the med team post this race. Like, this is not... This is a level of safety. If you're, if drivers are blacking out in corners, this could have turned so bad so quickly. And the only reason it didn't is because these are 
highly trained performance athletes. And like, I know a lot of people like to make fun of Stroll's skills, but the fact that he was able to keep the car on track despite consistently blacking out for 20 to 25 laps, that's insane. His oh. onboard footage of him getting out of the car and him like walking and you see he like can't keep his balance and like has to like lean on in the ambulance. Like it is so terrifying to think that he was just operating the vehicle that he was sitting in. Right. Like at, at any speed at all, but just I it was a very frightening sight to see right. these drivers in that con- in that condition post race. And we're two races from Singapore, which is supposed to be the, like, nightmare race of the season. And every single driver, even the ones that didn't end up having to go to the hospital, said that this was the absolute worst race of their entire career. It was leaps and bounds worse than Singapore. Uh, There have been a lot of really bad takes about this. I will fundamentally never agree with that drivers are making a contract that is their life to do this like that just because this is a high risk sport doesn't mean that they have to be subjected to things that can be fixed or un or conditions that are beyond unsafe this is the same conversation we have when it is tsunami raining and there's no visibility and people get mad that the drivers are out aren't out on track I do not watch F1 because there's a risk of someone dying. I watch F1 despite the fact that there's a risk of someone dying. That is not, I, I, I will never get behind the like glory. Oh yes. Like it would have been so like, it would have been so great if like Stroll crashed out because he was passing out in the car. Like it is not okay to put athletes in situations like this. And the fact that they're, is no system in place for the safety of the drivers to be monitored in the moment to then red flag the race in some way. And this is just going to continue to be an issue as weather gets more extreme with global warming. So I am not hopeful, but I am hoping for the FIA to start figuring out how to monitor this now and put something in place now, or we are going to see drivers start to die because of things like this. Yeah, it's it's not something that can be taken lightly. And it, I mean, anyone that makes the argument of like, this is what they've signed up for. It's like, no, I mean, no one signs up for dying at their day job. Um, and also like an overwhelming amount of the race calendar. This is not the conditions that are being raced in. So like, no, it's not what they signed up for. I also agree. I'm, I mean, I'm optimistic. I'm hoping that this is like enough public backlash and pressure and like just circumstantial evidence or just, I mean, just it being the right thing to do. That there'd just be a little bit more regulations in this sense. And maybe, I mean, there was just so many of, you know, drivers are always pushing themselves to the limits. So uh, there's also the factor of like the, you know, pushing to the 18 lap per tire thing. And like everyone's going as much as they possibly can. But you kind of always, that's what drivers are kind of always saying that they're doing. So there has to be a little bit more regulating of the conditions per track. I don't know. It's also like the same, I know I compare things to the NFL all the time, I'm sorry, it's my second love, but it, a lot of this falls in line, like you have to protect athletes because they are not wired to protect themselves. Like, do you know how much pressure is on Lance right now? And he probably should have removed himself from that race, but he can't do that because of how much pressure is on him to perform right now. And in the NFL, we had the same conversation with concussions all the time, where Everyone's like, well, if you if a NFL player actually has a concussion, they should remove themselves from the game. But they would never do that because it's their job and their livelihood and they're so competitive. And it, F1 drivers have a similar kind of thing as, F, uh, as NFL players where you can lose your job like that. Like being so... Your 53-man you to... roster is sounds huge and that's like not a a huge thing at all. I mean, you can also make the case that like the argument of like, not necessarily they're going to know 
like know when to say no. You could hear in Logan's radio and I currently the state of his career, not ideal. The state of his seat, probably really up in the air of, you know, if it all not already decided, like him, him making that choice on the radio. That's also then being publicized on television of him choosing to retire from that race before everyone knows about everything else going on. Doesn't look too great on him at all. It's no. Yeah. And then you have these awful macho men online. Like, this is why you do this. It's like, no, you protect people. Like, they shouldn't have to do this for their job. And that will always be something I'm so passionate about in sports, that, like, regulating bodies need to be there to protect their athletes to make sure this is as safe as possible. We should never be making arguments in favor of making a sport less safe. An individual athlete, to your point of, is for their livelihood, for their job, like they're always going to want to be saying they're going to do their job. But when an organization like within Formula One or within the NFL and they're able to see like proven causes of concussions or the lasting effects of XYZ concussions, things with driving, anything like that, like you, it, it's becomes your responsibility as that organization to be looking after the people that are getting involved in your sport or else like what's what you see no value in them after your sport or the longevity or their life or they're just disposable to you it's it's icky it's, it's yucky it's literally one of the two things the fia is in charge of they're in charge of safety and they're in charge of regulations um but that being said i have a very low bar for the FIA doing well. And they actually did put out a statement this week that they're looking into uh, ways to solve this problem and monitor this problem and make sure that the drivers aren't putting being put into an unsafe position like this again. Because again, we wanna see athletes challenge themselves. Um, and that's why we have races like Singapore that are hard, <laughs> but for reasons like this. But I, I will also point out that this race is supposed to be slightly later in the year next year, so it should be cooler. But most experts say it's really not going to be that much cooler next year. So this will come up again next year. So I hope whatever, like, so good on the FIA for putting out a statement that they're actually going to care on it about it. But they've done that before and we need them to follow through and coming up with a way to do this. Now you've said the words, now do things about the words. Things that happened this race weekend that had me just going, WTF. <laughs> really? Like, it's not even things, uh, we're, we're talking a lot in the show today about things that were frustrating or inefficient. I wouldn't say these fall into the frustrating category. It literally, these are things that just have a loading screen on my head where it's like, really? Like, this sport is this way? Really? This is, hap this is what's happening right now? Okay, great. We'll lean into it. In P3, Max winning the championship as soon as Perez crashed out of the sprint. Such a WTF moment. It felt like a very fitting way for this season of all seasons to end. But having to listen to the F1 TV broadcasters go, Oh, well, that means Max Verstappen is the driver's champion. And they were like really trying to get into it. It was the least like exciting way for this whole thing to come to a conclusion in a season that has not been exciting competition wise it felt like the next clip in like the office meme clip right. from like the last race of you know ah oh, here's max coming into pit and here's up Chaco in the car like it just totally felt like it would be the next transition moment <laughs> of like ah okay and he wins because Chaco crash p2 moments that had me going really wtf the fact that they didn't have the trophy ready for max he needed we knew going into this weekend that he needed to score he needed p6 or above in the sprint no one thought that he was winning the championship this weekend they've had weeks of warning and he they didn't have the trophy <laughs> I, I don't understand this sport sometimes. Did you really think? Like, re like, come on. Like, let's be, like, a little realistic. Like, like, come, come on. You're not. 
I mean, I guess maybe. I don't know. It's dumb? It, maybe? I don't know. As an aside, poor Oscar. But, like, they didn't even celebrate Maxwell. Like, yeah, they made the whole thing of this whole world champion thing. No one could hand him a trophy. We watched the president of the FIA rush to give him a sprint P2 trophy in the wrong order, by the way. Like, F1, if you haven't noticed, has, like, a very specific order of how they hand out trophies, and it always starts with P1. But Mohamed bin Salam, like, rushed and gave Max P2. And then you have, then you see Stefano Domenicali, who is the president of F1, panic, and then give Oscar the P1 trophy after that. <laughs> thing was chaos why was there no championship trophy there ready i don't understand it felt like the everyone was talking about oscar but every light was screaming max and then it was like not i was like what are we watching right now how is there no trophy why does it feel like everyone's arguing over who's gonna give everyone like a sprint race trophy and why is no one prepared for like what we everyone knew what was going to happen today right um and then i'm I am disappointed in baked into this, like what WTF is happening here. Like Oscar's first race win, even though it's sprint and like that whole thing aside, we're not going to get any iconic celebrations from that because he wasn't even allowed up on the little winning stage thing. All he did was like slowly get out of his car and walk over and shake the hands of everyone's team, which honestly felt a little fitting. And then the photo that, you know, they always take the race winning photo at the end. There was Max's face behind it. It wasn't even an Oscar P1 celebration. Yep, there it was everywhere. It just was the let's celebrate Max at the sprint race. It all felt very strange and confusing. It was a marketing nightmare. WTF is this sport. Like, who wants so, to also, it felt really weird to have, like, be a confirmed driver's champion and, like, you didn't have fans on the track. Like, that also looked very strange and weird of, like, Max Verstappen and, like, there's no, you don't have fans invading the track for a sprint race. And they had the whole graphic package ready, but no trophy ready. Like, at least give, so similarly, we don't get an iconic photo of Max winning his third championship with him lifting the trophy or having, it's like, but that's not P1. Somehow that was not P1. Because P1, to me, was when Alex found out that he was promoted in the sprint race, and he decided to post on social media what looked to be a very well-done steak that looked like a seven. And as soon as I saw that, I said, doesn't matter what else happens on track this week, that is P1 on my podium of moments that made me go, what is going on? When I saw that, I thought it was a fan account. And then I said, wait, no, this is Alex. Alex really was like, oh, it's a number seven. Like, what? What? What is he seven? Is he the age seven? Is he this many fingers years old? <laughs> And I also wanted this to be P1 because the other two things on this podium are like size, what is going on? This is <laughs> what is going on? Like, they're, they're different vibes. And I like the <laughs> what's going on a lot more. All right, on top of all the things we've already talked about, there was tire chaos this week, but not my favorite kind of tire chaos. There wasn't strategy excitement and like we didn't get to see converging ideas. No, 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 no. Coming I don't like this, it. I don't Did like it either. Like. <laughs> they, oh, and this is reminding me, stay tuned to later in the show because we're going to go through the results of all of our polls of the weekend that we put up on our Instagram page because there's something that pertains to this. Uh, so we discovered Saturday morning that there was an issue with the tires. And we mentioned this in the preview show, but they made updates to this track where they put in new curves and a little background and bare bones on how these processes work. So every single F1 circuit, actually every single circuit on any FIA sanctioned motorsport is reviewed by the FIA and it needs to hit admittedly very strict safety standards. So when this track had to get updated, these new curves that I've been calling the pyramid curves. I don't know how accurate that is, but basically is, they look That is pointed. the online vocab. 
Okay, great, great. So despite my limited social media this weekend, at least I picked up on the correct <laughs> verbiage. Um, they put in these pyramid curbs at various corners around the track. And they had to be approved by the FIA's state safety standards. And what the what Pirelli learned after Friday is that these pointy curbs were essentially shredding the tires, uh, which felt like something that could be thought of ahead of time, but uh, wasn't. Um, I don't know why at this track in particular, and I'm sure there was actually a reason. So this is me saying, if you know, put it in the comments. Like I would like to learn why for the first time ever, pyramid pointy curbs was what they decided to go with. Because sometimes these decisions are made because other racing series race there, but that applies to other tracks and I've never seen this before. I don't know. So pointy curbs, tires go over pointy curbs, it shreds the tires. And Pirelli was faced with, all right, either we just let the teams do whatever they want and we're gonna have a bunch of tire explosions come Sunday, or we put some things in place to try to mitigate this. So they extended the curb out in turn 13 and basically said, please just don't go over these pointy curbs and just like listen to this new white line. And then they put limits on the amount of laps that every set of tires could do. And for what they were dealt, the hands they were dealt, I think Pirelli and the FIA did a good job mitigating circumstances because as not fun as the strategy convergence was in the race, I think it would have been less fun if there was just random DNFs the entire time because people's tires were popping. And that would definitely be the less safe option. And after just reeling about, I care about safety. I don't want crashes where they can be avoided. It was great that they made this decision and they were proactive but whose idea was it to put pointy curbs? My thoughts initially. Pointy curbs. Lack of tire strategy. Pirelli relatively quickly f trying to figure out the best solution. Yeah. And if you, not you, collective you listening to this are on the team that are blaming Pirelli for this. They don't have this issue at any other track. This is not Pirelli's fault. They, of course, pointy curb. Like they, they did the best they can with it. They are not the people to blame here. Like, I, no, I would really honestly love for I, someone to explain to me like more of like the purpose of these pyramid triangle curbs. They just, I guess, look cool. I think they just look like they're gonna shred your tires. Um, and the photo of, I believe it was, it was a McLaren tire that I had first saw when I was seeing like what was happening to tires. Oh my gosh. It's a nightmare. Like Pearly had to do something. Um, so it's unfortunate of like what it ultimately like came to be. It felt like I was watching like a, like the middle school version of an F1 race. Cause it was like, okay, how old are these tires? All right. So now, you know, so we're going to get this like lap coming. And it's just like, not what I enjoy from an F1 race. One of our like favorite parts is teams having to come up with their own type of strategy for pit stops and the tires that they're going to use and everything like that makes F1 so special. So that announcement happening was like, a, Oh, they're doing things so that there's, less DNFs and less like boom tires but at the same time it's like okay well like now I have a lot more of an expectation of what I'm seeing on Sunday which was less like I don't know I was less excited yeah. about very sick. Strategy convergence is never exciting because that just means Red Bull's going to win. Which because... we know going in anyway is probably already going to happen but like it just solidifies it even more if that's possible. <laughs> Yeah, and somehow it is because there's like very little room to make a mistake. Like there's no exciting like, oh, you got that strategy call right. Because the more uh, like restraints you put on their ability to come up with different strategies that might result in the same outcome, because they're all using these fancy softwares where they plug in a bunch of stuff and it outputs the 
best possible strategies and then from that they decide but that they're all just doing that theoretically so people can get it right and people can get it wrong and like the more rules there are the less opportunity there is actually for someone to get it wrong um, and maybe that affects and we get a different winner or a different podium or a surprise thing that everyone likes yeah. um, especially when it's as specific as 18 laps you're like yeah. okay three got it three got okay cool it was, and it unlike some of the other, so routine. Yeah. Um, and unlike some of the other things that there are to talk about coming out of this, this this part of it is is not going to affect anything else. Like, no other track has these pyramid curves. Hopefully they'll get rid of them by next year. Uh, I do think it proved that mandating three pit stops or whatever ideas people keep floating out there doesn't make for a better F1 race. I could have told you that already, but now everyone got to see it and test it, and it didn't make for a better F1 race. Um, and I don't blame anyone for this, but I can't imagine what it felt like to watch that race without all the supplemental stuff we had. Like I had the graphic, I, I had all my normal live timing, but then I also had the graphic up of like all the different sets the drivers had and how many laps they got to go on it. And I don't blame the booths for this at all. Like they had no ability to prepare at all on how to broadcast a race like this. So it just felt like they were filling air and time until the final round of pit stops because they just didn't know how to talk about it. Um, so again, I don't blame them. Like this was an unreasonable uh, thing. Like, hey, in three hours, like figure out how to broadcast a race that's organized how it's never been organized before. Um, but I can't imagine how awful that viewing experience would have been. Yeah, I heard like just from, you know, the commentator perspective like the amount of times i heard up oh, well max Verstappen's gonna have to pit in the next four laps in the next three laps in the next two laps in the next right. lap we know he's gonna pit we definitely know he's gonna hit up oh, here's the radio that's confirming that he's gonna pit like yeah okay great like can we talk about maybe something else but yeah to to your point there's not as much prep time for that of being able to develop like a story in a in a, in a different way Okay, so we're back on this uh, Ferrari thing again about... I, I just can't learn my lesson. I can't learn my lesson with this. I can't just... Every time I think I'm done and then I come back and then it all just blows up in my face. So, of course, my after my hot takes last week, my podiums of Qatar are... Every single moment, Ferrari made me go, why, oh, why did I have any faith at all that this was going to go well for Ferrari? Some context to this that really made me laugh. And this didn't actually end up in the show. It was on the cutting room floor. Um, the show, we have like this 20-minute conversation last week previewing the GP with Bryson. And we do all this analysis about how we think Ferrari's going to struggle at this race. And then it rolls right into predictions. And Nicole goes all in on Ferrari. And we laughed for a good seven minutes at least. That got, all got cut about the juxtaposition of the two things. So either way, I'm glad that like something good content was going to come out of this either way. And I'm glad it's a podium. <laughs> Oh yes! Oh no! It's a hundred percent. I of anything. Always <laughs> listen to Bryson, I guess, because I just was like, nope. F one can't always Bryson be expert. in the ways that I hope and want it to be, and just want to have some fun sometimes because sometimes that just makes me lose unbelievably. And honestly, well, I, roulette. <laughs> I know, no, but not with Ferrari, and that's the point of this podium. So. P3, every complaining radio about Ferrari and qualifying. I just kept having to hear, what is this red car doing? Do they think this is the race? Why are they driving so slow? Why are they racing? But, but, and I'm just like, what? Is, I, I continued to be like, what is happening? And I'm already stressed out enough about quality on a Friday because I just, it can't, it doesn't work well in my brain. So already seeing this happening on Friday, I don't feel like things are going well for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I have nothing to add. <laughs> that's yeah. Just, that I mean, there's sad. nothing really to add to that because that's just fact. And, uh, cause it doesn't go well at all because P2 Carlos qualifying P12. 
I I feel wait hold on hold on before we because I feel bad doing that noise there because that is more like a I predicted in P3 like everywhere I I literally thought there was the potential for Carlos Sainz to have like this potentially golden weekend and Friday it was spit in Nicole's face Carlos qualifies P12. <laughs> not even a Q1. It's not even like we're not even in the realm of a possibility. I was, I didn't even make it through all the qualifying before. I was like, well, there goes my weekend. <laughs> so don't even go back to the other parts of the sound board because my p1 and i don't care if it's obvious but here it goes carlos signs not starting in the race (laughs) p3 i had a I legitimately predicted this man to be on the podium and he did not even start in the race he legitimately caused other penalties to occur because Kevin Magnuson pulls up in his spot because there was no spot on the grid where his car was supposed to be because he didn't drive. So I couldn't even get those points because the man didn't race. Never let me pick a Ferrari ever again. Play this back for me every single time in the future that I think I have any sort of hope. No. Done. Dunzo can't do it. I love you so much. I I can't. He can't. I can't. You can't. Like, how often do you predict someone to be on the podium of a race and they don't even start? It's not even like it was like a turn one collision, which we're not even... I didn't even mean that about anything. He didn't even... No, it didn't even make it. Didn't even make it. Chaco, Chaco, Chaco crashed out according to Newsday on Long Island. <laughs> Accurate statements were <laughs> stayed. I did feel bad because of all the accidents and things that have happened this season. Uh, this was the first crash that I didn't feel like was his fault, but it did feel like a fitting way for the Red Bull season to come to its final conclusion. That Max won because Chaco crashed. <laughs> Yeah, it, it really tied a nice, beautiful bow, cherry on top of it all. Like, you did it! Way to go! I I guess, yeah. It felt like a really anticlimactic to, like, the most expected finish before, like, a month and a half before it's over. Okay, so on a scale of 1 to 10, how over... Is Checo's career in the Red Bull seat? One being, oh, he's definitely in that seat next year. Ten being, he is definitely out of that seat. It's a given. Ooh, okay. So, in terms of what I think, or like when Red Bull, like, are we asking in Give my both. perspective? In, yeah. Okay. Should if you were the decision maker, and then do you think Red Bull will actually do it? I'll give you mine. I think it's an eight on should and will Red Bull actually do it? I'm I'm teetering towards closer than I've been in a while, and I think it's a six because Helmet Marco did make very pointed question, uh, statements this week, and they hadn't done that up until this point. I mean, Helmet Marco threatens everyone all the time, so it's been shocking that he hasn't been threatening Checo in the media. So I feel like... I'm going to answer, do I think it's happened? Like, I'm at like an 11 out of 10. (laughs) Do I think Red Bull is? I think Red Bull's just waiting for the moment. I I really buy buy into the theory. Ooh, just like part of my lingo. If, like, Checo can't, like, doesn't solidify, like, second place in drivers, then postseason we're getting, like it's getting the like we're getting the announcement like if if the rest of the season is just such an unbelievable nightmare that he just can't like do anything 
I don't, then I feel like we'll get it in the off season. So like part of my brain on like the, the one to 10 on Red Bull is more like a matter of time when. So do I feel like we're getting the yeah. announcement tomorrow? I think I'm no. at like a five. Like if I woke up tomorrow and got it, I would be as shocked and not shocked at the exact same time. When it comes to off season, I feel like it would make a little bit more sense with everything that we're going through. But the fact that they announced three Alphatari drivers and like it shows they're thinking about it shows they're thinking about it we're coming into like a daniel ricardo return so that's going to be like what everyone in like the red bull world is like leaning into there's going to be like horses and whatever like it, it's it, i don't think it's going to be they're going to divert the checo tension momentarily they still have to go to mexico like right. they that's can't the they cannot no matter what they are doing with checo no announcement will be made until after mexico because you can't promise checo go to mexico and then there not be checo next year and then you can't say there will be no checo and then go to mexico that is a nightmare waiting to happen yeah on my surprise scale Announce any announcement before Mexico, like, I will scream if I wake up in the morning to an announcement. Like, that would blow my mind pre-Mexico. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. I agree. Post-Mexico, like, an announcement wouldn't really surprise me at all at this point. Yeah. Um, I have heard people rumoring and just theorizing, like, this is not based on any reporting. I've just seen people theorizing that... Um, Checo might be negotiating with Williams because Williams does have this open seat and I'm sure Checo doesn't want to leave the grid but and the Williams hasn't looked that bad and if he just wanted like a decent midfield seat and like that like it felt like it made sense the Alex Albon pipeline (laughs) gridwalk polls gridwalk polls welcome to when we read our social media polls thanks for participating Make sure you follow us at Gridwalk Show, uh, particularly on Instagram. We do a lot of fun things. Uh, but one of those is post-race weekend. We have polls. Uh, so here's a rundown of what you all, if you participated, thought about some of the big notes in the race weekend. So for starters, does the FIA need a better way to determine if racing conditions are safe for drivers after most needed medical attention post-race. The options were yes, no, I'm undecided. 100% of people who voted said yes. <laughs> this is not a disputed thing. I thought some people were going to say no based on the uproar on social media, but no, no, not at all. Good people, good people. Sure. Gridwalk followers, you all rock. All right, poll number two. What is your opinion on Oscar Piastri? The options were wow, in all caps, and unimpressed. 100% of the people said wow. I don't know how you cannot be impressed at this point. Everyone thinks so highly of Lando and his skills, and Oscar's doing so well. Pretty good race, babe. After seeing it, mandating more pit stops made the race, and the options were it should always be like this, strategy convergence was boring, or it did not affect my enjoyment. The winner here was 50% said it didn't affect their enjoyment. Huh. Interesting, right? I definitely did not affect him that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me either. Uh, we say this every week. knows that people besides us do this. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we say this every week, but will Red Bull replace Perez before next season? And the options were yes, no, no, but they should. And the winner was no, but they should with 44%. The second place was actually no, that people, most people, 33% of people did not think that Paris should be replaced. I guess that's fair. Like, you know, I think there's the should he be and the is he being supported? Like, that strikes a whole yeah, other conversation of, of of it all. Again, yeah. I'd love to... I, I think it is very nuanced. Like, I don't yeah. think Checo is failing in Red Bull because he's a bad driver. No. I, I think that's a real Of course hard not. Yes, I hope that's it. very clear. I hope this is like... Yeah. Even if this is your first, like, episode listening of Gridwalk, that's not, nothing of, like, against his driving. No. I'm just personally invested in having an interesting championship, and the only way to make that happen is to put someone in that seat who might be able to compete with Max. So, like, if you put a Lando in that seat, there's at least a a choice, an option, and a, a possibility we can hold on to. We all know at this point what Checo is. 
in comparison to Max. So if we go into next season with that, or honestly with Daniel Ricardo either, and I'm sorry, like there's just no hope. No, there's no I, entertainment. Look, I, how I, I don't look. Don't listen, to Daniel Ricardo. If you're listening, I'm covering my Daniel Ricardo hat. I have said, and I will say again, yeah. Daniel Ricardo in the Red Bull seat is someone that will be team orders for Max. Like I don't buy into that he would be a competitive person against Max. It would be the the I think the dream driver of falling into line of what they would want to support of Max and blah 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 blah. So I also don't think that would necessarily be the most exciting thing. Would I be amped about it for like the content? Of course, but like we're that's two separate like pieces that we're discussing right now. It would have been very interesting to see if like they make me fall asleep. Sorry, bad timing. I thought that was (laughs) I just just kept thinking I just always keep thinking back to like Checo of Monaco last year of like the oh I should have held out of signing my contract and like this, that and everything felt like so alive and just like this was gonna be like this unstoppable duo everywhere and it fell flat so fast. They make me fall asleep. F1 teams were heavy against Andretti to the media this week. Uh, They even had some of the drivers out there making quotes about it as well. How long until F1 approves the 11th team? The options were during the upcoming North American triple header, which if they were going to approve them would feel like a good PR time to do it. By the end of this season, in the off season, never. And the winner was in the off season at 57%. What did you vote? Where, where I you don't honestly. This? I actually don't remember which one I voted. I remember looking at either saying, "I think if if the pressure is working, I think it will be in the off season. If F one and Liberty Media sticks to their guns, I think they'll say no." And I, I, I don't. I am so unsure of how this will play out. So I don't remember how I voted, but those were those were my two in that in that belief of. I don't think you it. Ended if, up- Oh, oh, yes, you have all the answers. I do. You ended up voting off-season, just mm. so you know. Yeah. Yeah. There is some interesting things at play here because, well, the European Union has much stricter antitrust laws than America, but I just realized that I think it, they're not in Europe anymore. They're just in the UK, and I don't know anything about the UK's antitrust laws. Um in comparison, basically, my what I'm rambling about here is that there's more at play. Like, they might actually end up needing Andretti probably could take F1 to court in with an antitrust case if they don't get approved. So I do think there's some element of inevitability, but it's what F1 makes Andretti give up for the approval. Right. It just. Um, it yeah. felt like seeing so much business and the way the business business does the business. As soon as FI as the FIA like released this whole big public statement, it was kind of just felt like it was like ah, oh, like F one's gonna maybe pull a like okay fine like you're gonna pressure us into doing this like sure well like it's gonna happen let's see it crash and burn. Not that they want it to do that, but it's almost like if you're gonna push to a point of like you want this so bad and it just then happens. I mean, not that I want necessarily like another team to like come in and not do well, but it, I still have not just not seen any evidence of that way. The FIA has definitely decided that this is what they're going to use their non-existent political capital on by strong arming F1 into this decision. I don't know if you saw that uh, Mohammed bin Salam this weekend came out and said that F1 needs less races and more teams. And I don't think you can blatantly put on a silver platter what makes them more money than that. Like what makes FOM the most money is more races because they can sell the media rights and they get tickets and the FIA makes more money the more teams there are. So Mm. like, yep, we get that that's what you want and we get that that's what Liberty Media wants. And that's honestly what makes this whole thing so interesting is that they have conflicting uh, things to push for. Yeah, so. and he starts throwing around like manufacturer talk, and I'm just like, stop! Like your, like your, your, your side of this is so evidently clear. Like I, I and I will say, I've said this before, and I will say it again. But Andretti is not bringing a manufacturer with them; they're bringing a sponsor with them. 
The same way that I don't believe Ford is a real manufacturer, Red Bull is making power units and slapping a Ford batch on it. They're, it's a sponsorship. Like, having more OEMs in the sport require the OEMs to make, to manufacture the engines. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> ah, you're Maybe we'll get to go without talking about Andretti, but probably not yet. I highly doubt we'll go an entire week. All right, two more polls here. Should track limits be monitored at all? 80% of the people said yes, which they're right, because rules. It ain't <laughs> we'll hard. Talk, yeah, we'll talk more about that in a second. Uh, in a, we'll talk more about that in an upcoming segment. Uh, and last poll of the weekend was overall. The Qatar GP weekend was uh, essentially chaotic good, chaotic evil, chaotic neutral. But I phrased it as chaotic but enjoyable, chaotic in a bad way, and chaotic neutral was the last option. 56% of people who voted said chaotic bad, 33% said chaotic good, and 11% said chaotic neutral. Where did you land on this, Nicole? I think I said chaotic bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was definitely my energy and my mood. Right. There was opportunity for chaotic good. And then it just went so far off the rails with negative safety and track limits and tire limits and like everything we've talked about today that I was just like, ah! <laughs> and, then, and then the unspeakable happens that we are avoiding as the elephant in the room for a reason. What happened? I no! mean, I know what happened, don't tell me. There was what a happened? Grand Prix what? and everything went great. It was great, it was fine. Um, speaking of Kachow, I have a very big concern about the, how much Travis Kelsey does look like Lightning McQueen with a mustache. <laughs> have you not seen this on Twitter? Is this just a no. me thing? I should have known that my timeline is like this. Yes. Yeah, so look, I haven't lot... been on social media a lot for the last four or five days, so... It it could be there, and I just didn't I don't see even it. know when I saw it. I don't know life before seeing Lightning McKelsey, but I can't go back to not seeing it because it literally is just like people just I, were like, I, you know, things it's are shifting in my brain that yeah. I mm -hmm. I don't know how to feel about. I really blame Lightning McQueen being red on all of this. I really think it definitely it doesn't help. It doesn't. It really, it really, it's it, it's super cheap. All of it's there. But I don't know if he looks more or less like it because of the mustache, though. Like, I'm thinking, like, him with, like, one of his different looks. Like, it might just be the buzz cut and the mustache. It is. But... And it's weird because every time I've seen it, it's also people just put his mustache on Lightning McQueen. So it's a combination of all of it. And I don't know why, because Lightning McQueen doesn't give me mustache energy. How did we get here? I just said this. That's how we got here, is I just brought this up. Now this is not getting cut out. That other thing is, but this is definitely staying in the podcast. Comment below, does Travis Kelsey look like Lightning McQueen, or does Lightning McQueen look like Travis Kelsey? Well, the multi-viewer track limits graphic was beautiful help this week. If you, for starters, if you don't use F1 multi-viewer, you are missing out. It is the greatest gift to F1 fans everywhere. They also have um, World Endurance Championship and IndyCar multi-viewer options if you watch those series. This is not a sponsored plug. This is just me obsessing over the fact that multi-viewer has made my F1 experience like it's gone from something I enjoy to something I obsess over. It is the because. best thing ever. And the track limits tracker, well, it just feels silly. Oh, incredible. Beautiful. Just really. Hey, I don't think YouTube I, audience. Who isn't using multi-viewer? I, I don't think I've never met a person, but so. People who don't get access to F1 TV. Which I also am sorry for you if you don't get access to F1 TV. Because F1 TV is awesome. Yeah, that it is. But um, track limits are annoying to watch. But I am team, they should be monitored. And I'm going to be annoying and talk about the NFL for the second time this week already. But if someone makes a catch in the NFL, but they don't get their feet in bounds, it's not a catch. Because the rules are you have to stay in bounds. So to me, if an F1 driver does a fast lap, but they didn't stay in bounds, then it's not a fast lap. So I'm kind of team, 
yeah, you gotta penalize the driver if they're not gonna follow the rules. So I'm definitely not, ah, just let it go. No, there, there are rules. We, we penalize drivers for rules. Uh, but I'm also a team that's really annoying as a viewer of the sport. Yeah, the end of like, oh my god, like my, my favorite driver, look at this, dude, so well. Or, oh wow, look at this driver, da, da, da. up track limits, bloop, there they go, back to the bottom. And that's no fun, because then I'm like, what am I watching? What's the point? I might as well just like wait till the session's over and then just see where everything falls and like lays out. I'm not one to compliment the FIA much, if you're an avid listener of this podcast, but I have to say, this weekend, compared to Austria, which was in July, was the FIA was so much faster, and I don't think they missed anything, and there wasn't any confusion of, like, I don't know if you remember those qualifying sessions where they were, like, sitting in the garage between sessions for ages as, like, they sifted through all the laps to figure out if there were track limits. Like, they did a much better job monitoring. Um, the if response you're interested, time was a lot better. Unbelievably better. It really felt like a driver did a lap, and then we immediately were told whether or not it was within bounds. Um, if you're interested, though, in how the FIA could get even better. We did a whole second segment after that GP in July, um, where we broke down all the different technology that the FIA could be using to make their lives even easier in monitoring this. We'll link that in the comments below. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll also put it in that little card that pops up in the corner, like there. Um, I actually realize I don't know if I'm pointing in the right direction. So I don't know, one, of, one of these corners. One yeah, <laughs> Nicole's just waving. <laughs> Um, but the FIA did better this weekend in telling us immediately what was going on. Um, understanding had how sick all the drivers were feeling. I understand why there were about 7 million track limits violations during the race itself. Because, yeah, they couldn't keep it on track because they were feeling awful. Um, and I, second compliment of the FIA in this segment is that I was really impressed that they came out after the race and said they're evaluating whether or not this race and Austria can stay on the calendar going forward because they are the only two circuits this year so far that have even had this as an issue because of the layouts of the track. And I think that's really fair that they should. I mean, I think the FIA needs to get better at monitoring it. And I think the track should be able to put make changes to make it a more enjoyable watching experience for us. The last podium of this race weekend is called, Is Haas Real? <laughs> and, this is a, <laughs> and this is a special podium because there's only a P2 and a P1 because nothing else feels like it was deserving of being with these other two things. And th yes, this is really just an excuse to talk about this. So in P2, Nico Hulkenberg gets a 10 second penalty for starting in the wrong position. How? Why? It just, How? It just forgets. Ah, open space must move. Right. It's not that they all line up on the grid before the formation lap and he's in a specific place and then when he comes in from the formation lap moves to a different place. But it, how is Haas real? I don't know. Haas, Haas exists. Ken's car is... Ken's job is car. <laughs> P1 is Haas real. Hanging a cup outside to measure the wind direction. Pinnacle of motorsport. This multi-million dollar sporting organization. Cup. 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 That's it. Is Haas Cup. real? Cup? Welcome back to Yellow Sector Notes. Not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock hitting every F1 garage. Starting with Red Bull, Max had a really cool special world champion helmet this weekend. I loved the color scheme. Lewis continues to tease some new venture by following a private Instagram account. 
Um, also, Mercedes note, additional, uh, they confirmed that there's going to be a new floor coming to the USGP. Uh, it has been decently formally announced now that Estrella plans to leave Ferrari as a sponsor at the end of the season, and it's rumored that they might join Alonso at Aston Martin. So basically, the Spanish beer brand that has gone everywhere with Carlos Sainz is leaving Carlos Sainz. I don't know, drama. Uh, Lance is apparently under FIA investigation for some of the incidents that happened at the GP last weekend. McLaren, if you haven't heard, set a world record with their 1.8 second pit stop this weekend, which is absurd. It's also crazy that Red Bull no longer holds that record because they are like the pit stop kings and queens. Uh, Alpine probably should have signed Oscar Piastri. Moving on to AlphaTauri, this is Nicole's last race without Daniel Ricciardo for the, at least the rest of the season. Um, he's also teased that he's dropping music. Uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, Nicole is silently screaming right now for all the reasons and things we just said. Uh, Williams dropped their USGP merch line again this year, um, and I still not re I still super regret not getting the hockey jersey that they dropped last year. It was so cool. I'm, I'm sad I missed the opportunity. So if you like something, pick it up because you'll probably regret it. Williams continues to do the most with their merch, and I like it. Uh, VB has teased that he's dropping a coffee collab. Haas announced their rookie driver FP1 sessions. The first is going to be at the Mexico GP. And last but not least, guess what? Pirelli is back until 2027 as the F1 tire supplier. I'm super hyped. That is the grid walk for October 12th, 2023 completed. How was my sector time today, Nicole? Faster than Lauren Stroll gave anti-Andretti joining the grid quotes. Oh, he was there super fast. Oh, you basically had to know he was almost going to be first. <laughs> or you know what? First. They all got together and decided who was going to be the face and do this first interview. And it honestly, it was probably a good choice. I volunteer as tribute. Thank you to voiceover man, Oscar Piastri's sense of humor, and our four-legged executive producers. If you are an audio listener, don't forget to turn on your auto-downloads, rate and review the pod. You look extra great today. You should tell us the exact same. Um, if you are watching on YouTube, subscribe, like the video, turn on notifications, leave us a comment, let us know what was the craziest part of the race weekend in your opinion. We gave you a never-ending list, and we probably even missed a few things, which is kind of crazy to think about. But giving us reviews, interacting with the podcast in any sort of way really, 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 really helps us out. It helps other people find our podcast. And we really appreciate you. And we love you so much when you do that. Make sure you're joining us for Daily Grid Walks on all social media platforms. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and threads. <gasps> Gosh, just, that gets longer and longer. At Grid Walk Show on every single social media platform. You will find us there for a ton of Formula One fun. We'll be back to walk the Formula One grid every single Thursday, and we sincerely hope you join us. But today kind of felt like a grid avoidance of whatever happened to turn one in guitar and not a grid. Nothing walk. happened to turn one in guitar. I don't know what you're talking about. It starts at turn two. It starts at turn two. All right, box, box.